What's up, everybody? Welcome to another Seven Figure Photographer Live. Hope you guys are all doing well. We just launched the 30 Day Lead Challenge today. For those of you who were in it, hope you enjoyed the first little part. It was kind of a simple part, but uh, yeah. So today, I'm excited to talk about this. Uh, I don't know why this one has stuck with me for so long, but I think it, honestly, this, the funny thing about this is is the customer is always right. Is actually something that I learned from a DuckTales or like Donald Duck thing. I, I can't remember if it was Donald Duck or DuckTales, but it was a concept that that's where I learned it was on a, on a cartoon. Now these days, cartoons teach you a lot of other things um, that maybe are not as appropriate, but whatever, <laughs> we learn all the good stuff from that. So today, that's what we're gonna talk about. The customer is always right, or are they? Like that's the question, that's the burning question today. But it has become a key competitive differen differentiator in brands the customer experience has. And so I think that it's become more important than it used to be. Uh, well, maybe not so much more important than it used to be, but it's just more of a highlighted expectation is that customer experience. I know many times in a lot of education stuff I've experienced, I've seen like the, the concept of making your unique selling proposition. And, and a lot of people say, well, you can't use your customer experience as that. But I think it is becoming more and more a unique selling proposition. So anyway, so that's what we're going to be talking about today. Coming up here shortly. What's up, guys? For those of you who don't know me, my name is Sam Marvin, and I've been in the photography industry for 25 plus years. While I love being a creative, business is my passion and elevating the industry of photography is my focus. I created The 7 Figure Photographer to share my journey to seven figures and to help others find their way to... All right, so let's get started here. How proud are you? It's the 15th of the month and I'm announcing the business book of the month. So what we're doing this month, this month's book traction, <laughs> this is a heavy read. I love this book. Honestly, like I, it makes me want to cry every time I see somebody, I skipped a chapter or sorry, Carrie, that was specifically you. <laughs> or this just doesn't really feel like it applies to me, those different things. I think there's so much strength in this, in, in this book. And I think that where people are missing out is, is failing to realize that this can be applied to you in every sense of the, the way or every sense of, of every point in this book can be applied to you, but it might be a different portion of where you're at. It is a little bit of a hard read. All I'm saying is that I hope that people will take and look deeper into themselves and about how this can apply to the different hats that we wear in this business. And that's really all I'm saying about it. But it is a little bit heavier read, so I thought, you know what? Let's do something simple in April. Let's go a little bit lighter read and easy read. One of my favorite books of all time, and honestly, it's one that we've already had in the Seven Figure Book Club, but I'm bringing it back because... I don't think Mia was here when we first read it. In fact, I think it was one of the very first books we ever started. So it is already on the website, but you're going to have to scroll way down. But I'm also going to post it directly as this month's book of the month. But uh, this book, why this book is so special to me is because 
as I was growing up, I got, my mom would always, like, my mom would say that I could sell ice cubes to an Eskimo. My, my nephew would say I could sell ketchup popsicles to a woman in white gloves. Like, everybody would always say these things about how I could sell anybody anything. I struggled with that for a long time. In fact, I got into car sales and I got fired from literally every car sales job I had. The reason I got fired every time had something to do, well, with the exception of one time I went into work, we had a meeting, and I looked like I just rolled out of bed and apparently it pissed my manager off and he fired me. But aside from that, all the other times, I was fired because I would miss sales goals due to the fact that I couldn't just push my customers through to go talk or to bring the manager in or lie to them about certain things. It was a hard business to be in. And I, I didn't ever wanna just be associated as a sleazy salesman. Like I think all too often sales gets a bad rap. What I don't think people understand is that we are all truly salesmen in everything that we do. This book was actually, a couple years ago, was referred to us by PPA as like a, a read of the month or something like that. I remember I was actually driving to a wedding the morning that I saw it come up on my email and I diverted and drove straight to Barnes & Noble and went and bought this book and I read the book within like a week and I, my life was changed, honestly, like one of the best books I've ever read. The reason I say this is because for the first time, this book gave me a right or gave me the opportunity to give myself permission to be a salesperson. It helped me to understand that. So this month, like I said, we're going to go to a little bit lighter read. This one, Seller Be Sold by Grant Cardone. If you don't know Grant Cardone, he's a hustler. He kills it, but he knows sales. And if there's nothing else you get from this book, it's just giving yourself permission to be in sales or understand why you're in sales. He talks about how, you know, the biggest sale of his life was marrying his wife. She wouldn't even pay attention to him. And I think it's just, it's really a great book. So Mia has already posted the Amazon affiliate link right here if you want to go buy it. Of course, I forgot to do it last month, but I will be doing a giveaway for this business book of the month on the text marketing. So if you want to be a part of the giveaway for the business book of the month, you have to be on the text message platform. So Mia will give you, that's 208-297-2999 uh, is the new number. And you're going to have to text the word BBOM to 208-297-2999. Nine, two with a bunch of nines. So, okay, let's jump into it. First of all, I want to start out with a story. Now we're back onto our topic. The customer is always right, or are they? A couple years ago, we had a client come in, and this was for our uh, our influencer program at the time. They sat down with us and basically kind of went back and forth. Their, her daughter played soccer, and she was not sure that her daughter would have enough time to participate in the program. Long story short, she ended up signing up for our lowest level, which at the time was $500. And we reached out to her and said, hey, just want to let you know your daughter is the only person that signed up for our low level. I think it'd be great for her to be a part of our fashion show. We think you should definitely upgrade. She went to the $750 level. Anyway, long story short, she came in and sat down and ordered pictures. And her total was up to like $2,400, $2,500. She said that she wanted to, that she needed to go home, move some money around, and that she would get us paid on Monday. I think this was on the weekend, like a Saturday, 
And she sent me an email on Monday basically saying, I think you really just kind of screwed me. We told you in the beginning we didn't want to spend more than $500. And basically just really ripped me a new one. Was a total... Absolutely. I'm going to say it. She was an asshat. She was like a total jerk to us. And going back and forth, I finally got to a point where I was like, okay, if I don't make this customer happy or like kind of bow down to their level, they're going to do everything that they can to slander my business and slander my name. And so I made the decision to meet her somewhat in the middle. And I said, I asked her first, I said, what do you think would make you happy. And she straight up told me that I want everything that I ordered, but I don't want to pay a penny more. So she wanted $2,500 for $500 that she'd already paid and basically fought saying that we, we never said that we would spend more. We never knew that there was more to spend, which is a lot of BS because we found emails that proved differently. Anyway, long story short, we ended up kind of caving and having her sign a an NDA, which is a non-disclosure, basically saying she would not slander us and we would provide her with a smaller amount of product for, I think we actually ended up, I can't remember, Michelle might remember the details on this one, but we ended up pretty much giving her a few digitals and telling her to shut up. That's pretty much it. So the reason I tell you this story is because sometimes we have customers that are absolute nightmares. And how do you deal with those customers? Do you really live by the philosophy the customer is always right? Now, in doing a little bit of research on this, I wanted to find just some information, some maybe statistics and stuff, or some, just some information about this. And I found out that this was actually a philosophy that was never meant to be taken literally. Did you know that? Yeah. So this whole concept was actually completely contrary to that and the idea was just to give employees permission to listen to their customers is that not intriguing yeah, it is. so this whole time in my whole life i've battled with this i've fought with myself over and over again i'm like the customer is always right the customer is always right like you just have to bend over and grab your ankles and take it for the customer sometimes that was a terrible terrible thing to yeah. say but also, what I found is there's actually a lot of studies out there that show that this, con this concept of the customer is always right is actually really detrimental to companies. It's harmful to employees because ultimately the concept becomes that, well, I don't care what you say or what you do, the customer always comes first, which you'll find that most companies, and obviously we're not talking about big companies for ourselves, a lot of us are just one-man bands, but, but companies were actually finding that they had less morale in their businesses when it was a customer focused first. Whereas companies that were employee focused first were actually stronger in business than the opposite way. But it also empowers bad behavior. My wife actually for fun does, well for fun or whatever, she I apparently don't give her enough money so she goes out and she does Instacart. And I think it's just fun because she has her own way to do things or own things to do. So when she goes out and does these Instacarts, one thing that I've noticed is that customers can actually give a low star rating. Now what happens when the customer gives a low star rating is she actually gets served fewer routes or route options, lower price, lower value, lower tip, when she has a lower score rating. For the customer, on the customer end, if you order from Instacart, I probably shouldn't be telling you all this, 
because you could hurt some people. If you order from Instacart and you are dissatisfied with Instacart's service and you rate your delivery person lower, Instacart will actually refund your money. Interesting. So you can actually regularly order stuff. And she might correct me a little bit because I don't know if it's they re refund the whole amount or what, but I know that they refund or there's some things that they do that really is very serving for the customer, but completely jacked up for the people that are running it. In fact, she got a survey the other day. She was really frustrated. She had delivered to a house months ago or a year ago and the customer like when she got there the customer like they were screaming bloody murder and she was like terrified so she like set the stuff down took the picture ran the customer left for a one-star review and though i would argue like there's some things that just like we do in the photography business there's some things that she could do to improve her customer experience like maybe leaving a cute little post-it note with a smiley face on it that says, hey, I enjoyed delivering for you today or something really stupid or little. But this customer, she ha happened to get a delivery the other day and she shows up and it's the same house where these people had screamed bloody murder. And again, she got a one-star review. So when she got this, um, this what did I call it? Um, the survey, she mentioned that it was kind of screwed up that Instacart basically protects the customer, but not the employee, which the, the delivery person. And the delivery person really gets screwed because they get far fewer batches. It's harder for them to make money if they have a low rating. But they empower the customer to leave low ratings because they refund them the money if it's that way. Now, obviously, they have their ways to tell, okay, this customer constantly leaves bad reviews, but it's still affects days of work yeah. unless you can prove otherwise. Now, the reason I bring that up is because what I'm saying is that that whole concept of the customer is always right. It really does empower bad behavior. Like you think about it, like if you walked into pretty much any store right now and you pitched an absolute fit, they're going to do anything they can to quiet you down, make you happy, do whatever they can to get you out the door. Internet, what? Unless they're an internet company, they just don't even care. It's just bad reviews. So there's a couple of things that I think that are really important in dealing with this scenario of the customer is always right. Number one, I don't think that it's ever bad to establish clear boundaries. Now, you guys have heard me say this on many occasions. The policies and procedures, I think, are kind of a load of BS. Now, procedures, no. Policies that are self-serving, absolutely. I think that procedures are important because that's kind of your process. Like that's like, that's just what we do. Like for us, we have our, technically our procedures is that we shoot mo like Monday or Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And that's just, that's just kind of our, that's our procedure. That's our process for how we do things or that's our parameters. I don't know if you'd really call that a process per se, but, but that's the way we do it because we keep Monday and Wednesday or Monday, Mondays and Fridays open for work on the studio days. But it also helps us to not be overloaded throughout the week with shoots and it kind of helps us to spread it out. And ultimately just helps us to not become over or burnt out, yes. So now policies, I have a real strong opinion about policies. I think all too often we companies and 
photographers and, and entrepreneurs make policies to protect themselves, but it's self-serving. For instance, I see this all the time, and many of you guys are going to hear this and be like, oh shoot, he's talking about me. I go to websites all the time and I see non-refundable deposit. And what I've learned is though, it hurts really bad. Like we had a time last week where we were like, or last year, where we were like, it, we did like $1,200 in refunds, right? And it was like, it was a crappy week, but that was like one time. What sucks worse is when we get into the sales room and we have a customer that literally doesn't spend any money and walks, and we've put all that money and effort into it. That hurts a little bit worse than going out and shooting, or that that hurts worse than just refunding somebody's money. What, the 36 hours of, is it 36 hours of pain? Oh yeah, the 36 yeah, hours of pain. Like, and the, yeah, and I never thought about it, I never thought about it in light of, or like in that, but it kind of is. It, is so yeah, it was kind of more talking thing. about like, it was talking about firing, else, but it's firing that, employees. Right, and but it's that same concept. It of is. Like it's only going to hurt for now. a little bit. Yeah, and in but the long run, it's better. I can tell you this much: like when we've had customers come in, and they're not very. It's not very often, but we we do have one or two a year. They come in, they make it past the red velvet rope, and we serve them. We give them all the same experiences, but then they walk and never buy anything, and we complain. <laughs> We're trying not to complain, but we complain, complain about that for a lot longer. Like we spend a lot of time frustrated. We call them. We spend hours and hours more trying to get them to pay or to schedule yeah. and come in than we do if we would have just said, you know what? We're probably not the right, right fit. Customer. I'm just going to refund you your money and I'm going to send you packing. And it's hard. Like that's a hard thing to, to consider, but that's, that really is like, I mean, you can even factor that into to opportunity cost. But establishing clear boundaries, I think, is okay. Like understanding like where your boundaries are at and, and kind of determining boundaries that aren't self-serving. Like still allow yourself the opportunity to be the best customer service you can. If you have an issue like people constantly booking online, then coming in and asking for a refund, then that's actually something that we might need to deal with business, like in the depth of, of how we do things in business, more so than creating a policy that eliminates or protects us from clients doing that. Setting a no refunds for clients is very self-serving to the photographers. It sucks. There's nothing that sucks worse than having a full schedule and having somebody cancel the week before and not being able to fill that day. Because it does, it's money out. Of, I mean, I consider that a $5,500 cost. Like there's nothing I can do. But I would rather refund money for somebody and try to get them back on the books or take care of a customer than to leave them pissed off because I chose to keep their money to protect myself. Now, there are times I think when it is absolutely necessary. If a client is, is canceling a week before the shoot, I don't, know that that's necessarily a bad thing to keep their deposit. Maybe not their, like for instance with us, we've changed to you have a credit and the, the session fee. And so maybe refunding their session fee. But again, it's a personal thing. And you have to establish those clear boundaries for yourself and your business. What are you capable of doing? What do you think is right? But again, don't create policies that are self-serving. Of course, it's okay to protect your business. But remember that instead of serving or being self-serving, 
Focus on a way that you can provide such an incredible experience for a client that they don't have a reason to do those things, right? And a lot of those things do come down to like how your customer journey works out. Like if you are providing poor information, like from the beginning, which I've been a culprit of that many times in my life. Like I'm just like, okay, they're booked. And then I forget to like <laughs> take care of other things. And I'm just like, you just get so used to it. You expect people to just know what the process is or what they're going through, right? So establishing clear boundaries is fine. Now, one of the things that I think is interesting and talked about in the track in the book Traction is your guarantee. A lot of businesses have a guarantee. And I think what's cool about this is is it's a way for you to identify how far you will go before you more or less get rid of that customer. So if let's say, for instance, one thing that we've all, one of our guarantees has always been satisfaction guaranteed, which is so broad. And I think that one of the things it talks about in the book is really identifying more clearly and using it, using your guarantee as a marketing or a, an, yeah, a marketing piece. But what is your guarantee? And it's okay for you to identify how far you're willing to go to make a customer happy to get them in the door. Again, it is kind of a marketing piece that is like a, hey, I like, you're going to be the most beautiful senior in the world, <laughs> guaranteed. Like, I mean, those are, those are hard things to hit. Satisfaction guaranteed. That's, that can be a hard one to hit. But again, then it, it leaves it up to me. It's my responsibility to go that distance, right? A real good question about customers is would they pass your core value test? Now, I know Traction is talking about core values. Core values is something that we've always been really focused on. I was kind of surprised when we started reading Traction because we had to like really focus on what our core values were for Samuel Marvin Photography, which is kind of dumb. Like I was like, wow, why are we... Like, cause we have core values set for seven figure photographer. Like we went down to park city, Utah and spent like almost a week or at least like it's a weekend. Yeah. Yeah. A weekend sitting down there focusing on all these different things. What our focus was, what are like, it was almost like we were, we were doing the, the traction. What is it? The VTO or something like that. Uh, yeah. Vision traction, traction organizer, or something like that yeah. before we even knew about it, but I've never done it for Samuel Marvin photography. And I was like, what the crap? Like, how did we get this far without even focusing on those things? And I think that it's really important. So what's cool is it is you can actually avoid bad situations or having the wrong customers in the right seats by checking the core values. Do they fit within your core values? Now, some of our core values that we've established for Samuel Marvin Photography are instilling confidence. Now, of course, I had these all right on the, the <laughs> forefront of my mind. So instilling confidence, fun. Family and community. Family and community. That's okay. So those are the three that I wanted to talk about because this year we had a mom that came in and she sat down and she was constantly in the studio tour. She was constantly bad mouthing her daughter. Mm -hmm. Do you remember who I'm talking yep. about? Yep. Yeah. So, um, not the daughter we were talking about a different daughter, but she though. was, she was bad mouthing the other daughter, but she right. was still saying some like yeah. some questionable things. And if I would have realized at that time, that would have been a perfect scenario for me to say, you know what? I don't know that we would be the good fit for you and change it up because she didn't fit within those three core values because that's funny. I didn't think does, about that. does she instill confidence? 
No, she was because even on she, the session. She she went out and sang like in the alley. You remember? Yeah, she didn't like her hair. She and then yeah, afterwards she was, she was talking about her hair. And, and yeah. those were things that we saw signs of in the very beginning. Yeah. But yet we just wanted to book, and so we focused on getting her booked. Also, that whole family thing. Like she was she was kind of trashing her her family, mm-hmm. and so that didn't fit within it. If you have a customer that doesn't fit in your core values and you can identify that, that is a good time to more or less like send them packing. So, which is leads me to my next point is when should you fire a customer? Like, and is it appropriate? Like, has anybody here ever fired a customer? Now, a couple of things that I found and the things that really like resonated with me, two things are when a customer takes more time than they should, which as we've seen, those customers like that have had that have had to come back for multiple sales sessions or that just struggle to make decisions. Sometimes some of our best customers are like the hardest to get to the finish point. You have to do too many edits. You have to do we had one customer who literally like after all the edit changes she wanted for her daughter, it was like, okay, this is like questionable. Like it didn't even really fit within our brand. It was over edited. She literally had us change all the eyebrows, like change the, the color of the eyebrows, shape of the eyebrows, like all these things. And it was like, at a point, like it's just, it's too much work, too much time. When you're used to having an environment that works like well, and it's all kind of a consistent amount of time. The other one is if you dread working with them. If you have a customer that you've worked with for a long time and you literally dread every time they call, like um, maybe one that you were texting this morning, they literally have taken forever to get their order done. Now, mind you, we took a little too long on getting a frame done for them. And so I'll I'll own up to that. But they literally were like, oh, they dragged their feet. They dragged their feet. They took forever. And now they're moving from their home. And they, anyway, a nightmare. And, they weren't a terrible customer to work with, but some of those customers, you just dread working with them. And so those are good ideas about like when it's time to fire a customer. Now I'm going to get to the how, but let's talk about first, do you really fire a customer? And I think that like to really fire a customer, the, the scenario has to be extreme. We had a customer that we should have fired like, so, to give you a quick rundown on it, we do our influencer program every year. We typically have a fashion show and one of our customers at the fashion show, the, the event, the venue fought with us about, Hey, we want to be able to serve alcohol at your high school event. And I was like, are you guys stupid? Uh, Like, I don't, I don't want alcohol at my high school event. Right. Of course, there's a lot of parents that loved it, thought it was great. But one of my senior moms decides that she's going to pour vodka into her coffee cup or into her like little, like whatever, um, what are these called? Like a hydro flask. She pours vodka into it and then hands it to her daughter. And we fought with the venue because we're like, well, we don't want to serve alcohol because like it's a high school event. And they were like, well, now that you're serving alcohol, cause I gave in and I was like, okay, if you can give me a better rate then whatever, make some money off the alcohol. So I give in and they said, well, now we have to have we have to have security. security. And I was like, why would you need security? This is like a fashion show. Nothing that we ever do has any issues. And of course, my senior mom gets caught giving her daughter vodka, a high school girl vodka, and they made an absolute ass out of me. I knew that they were 
a client, well, I thought they were a client that wouldn't be partaking in alcohol. <laughs> they were LDS. And so I was like, oh, I was like, of course, like you guys are so wrong. Like they would not be doing that. I know her dad was like a Mormon bishop. I was like, they wouldn't be doing that. Well, <laughs> they did. <laughs> stupid me. So I fight for them. And then they were a nightmare customer from the rest of the time. They like the, everything was just such a mess. And that was a good indicator. And I really should have considered that that day. I should have taken the time and said, you know what? I don't think that you really fit within. And that's a great, like using your core values is a great way, a great like exit route. You can use that. The other way is you just don't hire them. I know that they had a son coming up and I was like, if they call me, I'm going to say, well, I probably would have ended up booking them. <laughs> Let's be real. This is not something I'm great at guys, but I likely would have made it really challenging to book or told them that our prices had increased, like done anything and everything I could to really like get them to not book with us again. I'm not very good about coming out and saying, Hey, you were a nightmare to deal with. I'm not going to work with you again. And it's probably not the best thing to do anyway. But let's talk about really what's important here. The idea is that you have better control about who comes into your business. So let's start looking at who gets past the red velvet rope. Now I know I talk about the red velvet rope a lot. It comes from the book, book yourself solid, which is one of our seven or seven figure book business book of the month. The idea behind it is that it's like getting into a club. Okay. You've, you've all maybe hopefully been to a club where they have the red velvet rope or like a rope and you have to stand in line. They check everybody's ID. You have to be 21 to get in. And what's interesting is when we were in Vegas last year, this is actually really funny. It might, it might trigger Annie. <laughs> oh no. When we were in Vegas last year, we decided that one of the things we wanted to do was go to this really cool nightclub. It was on top of a building, right? I think it was, was it the three of us, me, you and Michelle yeah. went early. And because I had two girls with me, I was the right, I was the right fit for the club. And so they let us in free of charge. And then when Annie came back and it was Annie, Bart and Yen, Yen because it was two girls, one guy, they, they charged the right them fit. a cover fee. So as you can see, that's the red velvet rope. The concept is they want more girls in the club, less guys, but the guys they're you know, the idea behind them is they're going to spend the money on drinks. So you'd think they'd want, no, maybe not. No. Yeah. But you had two girls to buy drinks for. Yeah. Which so. means I'm going to spend more money. But the concept is, is identifying what your limitations are. What are the limitations that you have and your core values can be one of those limitations. Does the person that you are considering booking fit within your core values? Are they somebody that you want to let into your club? And what are the limitations? Like maybe it's something like, for instance, like what we did this year, we, I didn't want to do, I didn't want to institute a minimum because minimums terrify me for some reason. I, I hate the thought of minimums, but instead we did a session fee that includes a print credit. And so that's kind of like our barrier to entry. Now, are we going to get less bookings because of that? Yeah, probably. But are we going to get better bookings because yes. of it? Yeah, because already when people come in and sit down, they already understand that we're right around thirteen to $1,500 anyway, just to get started. 
And then we all know money spent is money forgotten, so that part's out the door. But the idea here is that we need to start focusing on getting better clients in the door, getting the right customers. Stop dealing with the customers that you have and find the customers that you want. Because when you do that, life is altogether better. You can work with the people you know you love. Now, a great way to do this is to look back at your customers from last year. This is pumpkin planning 101. Go back through your customers from last year. And this was actually talked about. Did you notice the pumpkin plan came up in a different way in Traction? In Traction, I did. Yeah, so yeah. they were talking about like the plant. And I think they went on, went on a trip and came home and forgot to set up somebody to water the mom's plant. And so mom's plant was wilting. And they poured a whole bunch of water on it to get it to to go but it wasn't going but mom comes along and she just cuts off the leaves that are dead which allows all the energy to go to the leaves that have a chance at life and that's really the same thing as pumpkin planting the idea is grab your customer list print it off find a, a spreadsheet of all your customers and print it off and go through and put a well we did this with a happy sad or me face yeah Kind of like the same thing as the customer journey that we did at Sync for those of you who were there. But go through and put, like draw a little face next to each one of them. The customers that just like make you smile and you're like, oh my gosh, literally this is kind of a gut feeling. But look at how much did they spend? Were they great to work with? Were they kind of just ideal? Or were they obnoxious and and annoying? Like did they suck your energy? Did they, like we all have those shoots that we go on, like I could point out a couple of shoots that we went on this year that it was just like, okay, that just sucked. Like it sucked my energy out so bad when we got, like we even kind of just didn't give them the full experience, which is something we need to focus on doing better at. But we kind of like out there on the shoot, we were like, eh, let's just get this over with and get back home because this sucks. Like they just literally suck the energy out of you. And sometimes they turn out to be great sales. But what you have to decide is, does that customer really make you, it's like like a relationship. Do they make you want to be your absolute best? Do they make you want to work the hardest for them? Do they make you want to be the most creative for them? Do they put you in your zone of genius? And sometimes some of those customers are going to be mediocre like pay, but just they just drive you. I've had some clients like that too that are just like, they didn't, they weren't the most money but man, they were just so much fun to be around, so much fun to work with. And then when you've identified those things, take all those ones that are all smiley faces and find them all and put them into a VIP list and say, okay, what is similar about all these customers and why, what makes them the VIP customers? And then what can I do to find more people like them? I've even seen on occasions where a good idea is just to grab one of them and invite them to lunch and just take them out to lunch and ask them, like, say, what is it that, like, what drives you? What made you want to work with me? What did I do different? What did I do right? What did I do wrong? Find out those things or find out, like, what do they, where do they hang out? What do they do? Where do they shop for groceries? And I think you might find some real trends in what they do and be able to identify, okay, this is my ideal client. This is where they shop. And this is what they're like. And so you start to focus on that's where your red velvet rope is and you start to be able to find the customers you want instead of dealing with the customers that you just have. So the question still begs to be answered. The customer is always right or are they? And I don't think that the customer is always right. 
but I think that it is our responsibility to no matter what customer comes through our door, we make sure that they get the best of us and we make sure we do everything we can to get them out the door happy and healthy <laughs> Bonus. and and pleased with the service they get. That doesn't mean that you have to bring them back. And it does mean that it is your responsibility to learn from that situation and to better yourself as a business so that the customers you do have coming through the door, it's okay for them to always be right. Cause you'll notice those are the customers that are easy to serve because that's when you get to be in your zone of genius. So I hope that was beneficial today. That's all we got for you guys today. I hope it was beneficial. I know like this is something that's really important. Take the time to make sure you get the right customers in the door so that you don't have to deal with angry customers and you don't have to deal with that scenario where you're like, what do I do? They're so mean, they're so angry and I just wanna freaking punch them in the face. Brianna went through this really bad with a customer and I think that we helped her. She made the right decision. She ended up wanting to sue the customer because they put a stop payment on a check to her when she'd already provided all the services and the product and they put a stop payment on a check for, it was like $1,250 and she had every right to sue that customer. And, um, we talked and I said, you know, this is not gonna, like, this is just gonna continue to be a negative in your life every time you think about it. And so she chose to just walk away from it. And I think it was a smart decision though. It was a hard decision, but imagine like, you know, how much time we spend on those types of clients, like that energy is just hard. Well, I think this kind of goes back. One of the things I was thinking, it's, I guess, a question, but a lot of people, like, how do you get to the point where you did not determine, but like if you have people coming through the door, I think it goes back to the customer service. If you have studio tours set up so that you meet these people before the session and you're not just meeting them in the park the day of, or you have like, we have the in-home consult, you have opportunities to figure out before that session because not everybody does their business in a way where they could figure that out before the session starts. So like, how would you do it for somebody who doesn't do in like studio tours or doesn't do an in-home consultation? How would you suggest that they learn about that customer, not just the money aspect or like your, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think that it comes down to really identifying your target client. So like Jason Williams, when he was speaking on stage at Sync, do you remember how specific yeah, he, he was? I, we loved like, it. it we was were like, athletes, okay, we're changing. Fema well, it was female, it was female athletes athlete. from like three specific schools. Right. That uh, had this, yeah, he was very specific. Yeah, and it was very specific. So I think that's a lot of it. But I also would urge you all to consider adding a little extra touch point to your customers. That's the whole reason we did it is because I wanted to make sure my customers, A, weren't coming in the door confused or not knowing what to do. Uh, and B, I was like, okay, the more time I spend with them, they're going to like, A, have more opportunity to ask the right questions because I'm really a big, I'm, I'm a proponent of, it's like, it's my, my responsibility to educate the customer, but it's, it's not my responsibility to necessarily inflect what I think is expensive or talk about price unless they've asked about it. And I know that that's like, I mean, I want them to have some, some barrier, which is what you'll find on our website with the, the session fees. And that's kind of the barrier I want. I want people to be right around that $1,500 range because I, I know over years of experience, 
that if they if they've committed or are willing to spend around that fifteen hundred dollar range, they're typically a lot more eager and willing to spend more, and I can typically double or triple that that budget. And so I think that it really just comes down to like how you identify your client and how you target them. And when you find that you continue to have situations like that, then it's time to add something in like a personal touch point. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Okay. So I think that's it. Yeah. We're losing. People are dropping like flies. Yep. They're over me. Too much, too much me today. Too much Sam. Oh, geez. Okay. (laughs) I hope you guys have a wonderful day. It's been fun. And yeah, hasta la bye-bye.